It's your girl, Galen Smith. And you're listening to No Sleep Till Hollywood. We're not sleeping until we make it in Hollywood. And while we're up, we will be discussing the state of the industry and our place in it. And as you guys know from the first episode of our season, and if you listened to last week, you know too, there is currently a WGA strike happening. So the Writers Guild of America is on strike for a number of different reasons. A lot of them having to do around compensation and being fairly compensated, especially with residuals looking different because of streaming and them not being paid as well. So there are a couple of things that are happening. We are in the, today is Monday. So we are on the first day of the second week of the WGA strike. A number of things have happened over the weekend, okay? The MTV Music Movie Awards, MTV Movie Awards, whatever they're called, those, they basically didn't happen because Kelly Clarkson, she pulled out when the Writers Guild strike happened because she was like, nah, I'm not going to be out here scabbing. And then they basically had to scrap the entire show, change the format. I don't know how it looked, but I'm sure it was not cute. And then the Duffer brothers, is that the, that's, are they the, that's, they're the Duffer brothers, right? Duffer? Yeah. Okay. The Duffer brothers, they did Stranger Things. Y'all know I don't watch scary stuff, but they do Stranger Things. They have halted production on season five until the WGA strike is over because writing still happens during production and they weren't going to be out here scabbing. So that's what's going on right now. Um, There are a number of wild things. People were telling that Quinta Brunson needed to fix this, not understanding that she too is in the WGA. Then there were actors from a popular show who were apparently out here laughing at the protesters. It's a lot going on. Check out your local Twitter app to see all of the drama in tea, but just want to give you guys a quick little WGA strike update. And thank you for the update. Listeners, you are now informed. Mm-hmm. And and if you catch anyone scabbing, if, if you know what that means, you know, report it. <laughs> report it to your local authorities. I don't know who your local authorities are, but them. Only time it's okay to be a snitch. Um, but <laughs> today, I'm we weird. are going to be discussing mm. Mm. a very popular mm. show, objectively mm. speaking. Some popular to somebody. Some people absolutely hate it, clearly. Others absolutely love it, definitely. And there's definitely some controversy around its originality. We will be talking about friends, ladies and Gentrified people. ass living single. <laughs> you heard it here. 152nd. Oh, y'all know I'm coming in spicy. I don't, mm-mm. I do not, like, you know me in real life, you know I don't like this show. I don't like nothing about it. Do I like some of the actors in it? Sure. I like, I think Jennifer Aniston is a lovely lady. But listen, when it comes to this show, mm, mm. Go ahead, Caleb. Go ahead. Talk about what you want to talk about your little mm. white show. Um, so just some background on, on the show. You know, mm-hmm. it was created by David Crane and Marta Kaufman. And it premiered on NBC in 1994. The show is about six white friends who go through life together in Manhattan. Uh, That's really all I got for you. Uh, That's really all they do. Apparently, there is a will they, won't they plot line. I think it goes between, isn't that between Rachel and Ross? Isn't that like the big will they, won't they of it all? But it's like six friends, four women, two guys. No, is it half and half? I don't know. Yeah, it's half and half. 
having that yeah. three guys, three girls going through life. There's a will they, won't they. The show was on the air forever, for literal ever. It was on the air from 1994 to 2004, which is a very long time for any show. But for a show about six white people in New York City, it's a very long time. <laughs> um, just, just to... Yeah, no, the show, it's it's your basic sitcom. I mean, you know, there's there's romance in there. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of comical situations. There's breakups. Um, the show does manage to keep a through line with the will they, won't they. Mm-hmm. Um, it went on for 10 seasons. And during that time, it got a total of 62 Emmy nominations. Uh, they did win six of those Emmys. Mm-hmm. Um it's a and low percentage for show. how much y'all be talking about that show. Y'all swear that show is the best thing since sliced bread. And I'm just looking at this percentage of Emmys. Very low. And by the end of the show, each cast member was making a million dollars an episode. <laughs> and then now <laughs> make 20 million a year in residuals. I will say when you read like about Friends and how it changed the television landscape, there are some valid points to some things that it did that changed the landscape. Particularly what I was interested in was hearing how the cast negotiated their contracts together. Because in the first season, they were all making $22,000 episode. In the second season, because of the Rachel Ross foolishness, Jennifer Aniston and the man who plays Ross, they were making $45,000. Yeah, David Schwimmer. I don't like his last name. Why does your last name? Just, anyway, they were making $45,000 an episode. And then basically David Schwimmer was like, I don't like feeling like I make more money than my castmates when we all do the same amount of work. So they all came in and renegotiated for season three. And then from there, they were able to continually negotiate each year up to a million dollars. Now in residuals, they apparently they negotiated for 2% ownership of the show, which is why they get money in residuals. But that 2% makes each of them $20 million a year. That's crazy. That's really crazy my, for a show that was, that's literally a ripoff of another show. Go ahead, Caleb. And also, I just want to make this clear for our audience members, all right? Yes, they make $20 million a year in residuals. But that is not the norm. Not at all. Writers would get so, so much less... First of all, act, no, no other actors are making $20 million a year in residuals on any TV show. I don't care what y'all tell me. Cosby show wasn't making that kind of money. Full House cast ain't making that kind of money. Ain't nobody making $20 million a year? It's a, no wonder we don't see some of these actors and nothing else. They're like, I made my money. <laughs> I can sit at home, raise my children, and make and money. And also, for them to be making a million dollars an episode... And this show was around when seasons were 20 episodes. Mm. It was making 20 million a year. 20, 22 million a year. A season. It's kind of crazy. I mean, but we think about it like this. Warner Media spent $500 million to acquire friends for the streaming service HBO Max. $500 million. That's half a bill. That's crazy. That's crazy for y'all to literally watch a show about something you do on college campuses every day. Sit around and chat in your secret white circles. And to rewatch at that because $500 million, you know how many shows that could have created? I mean... How how many things that could have funded? So many originals could have been... I mean, we could have originals. We could have had a reboot of Living Single. We could have had 
so many things. What else is what's been canceled on HBO Max recently that we could have kept that was good? Lovecraft Country, um, Gordita Chronicles, I think was on HBO Max. Like we had so many things we could have kept for five hundred million dollars. They decided to spend all this money on Caleb's white friends. Why are they my white friends? Because you've seen the whole show, so they're your friends. You have to take responsibility for these white people. I don't have to take And because of that, let's talk about the fact that across 10 seasons, 100 plus episodes, there were only 27 black people on the show, which I didn't know. Honestly, I thought there was only two. But 27? 27? And names or lines to speak. And when they did have lines and names to speak, they experienced racism. Because Gabrielle Union talked about her time on the show, and it was not pleasant. So, 27 black people? Like, think about it. Like, every television show, like, each sitcom probably has at least 50 characters in every episode. 22 episodes a season. 10 episodes. That's 220-something episodes. 27 black people. It's New York City. I'm pretty sure if we looked at the demographics of New York City in the 1990s, it was way more than 27 black people in Manhattan. I'm just so sorry to tell y'all. Like, you know, it's, it's upsetting on its own, but when you do remember that it is a New York City place show, it's like, how's, how's that possible? So, Caleb, since, since you've seen this show, these are yes. your friends. Defend this show. Defend this it. Show, okay, I will say... I will say, having mm. seen Friends, I started watching it um, because I did have a friend. Yes, they were. And they of were course. obsessed with it. They were obsessed with the show. Mm. And it's not that I cared to see what their obsession was about. Mm -hmm. It's just they would try to turn on episodes out of order. Uh -huh. And at this point, I was still in my very unhealthy i don't like spoilers so i did it's a sitcom show. though like there's such a spoiler no, on a sitcom me, yo yo look for me for me those are still spoilers it's a sitcom bro it's gonna be the same stuff every episode uh, listen listen i i consider there to be spoilers for new music all right i don't want when when i open twitter i don't want to hear about none of the songs i dropped yet i want to experience them myself so i'm still you're not gonna survive this summer when Beyonce go on this tour, you're not finna survive nothing. I'm still managing my spoilers relationship. But back to the point. So mm -hmm. I did watch all of Friends to avoid mm -hmm. spoilers. Because mm -hmm. I knew there was a will they, won't they? And I wasn't trying to have things out of order. Plus, I like to get all the references, you know? Because on season 8, episode 9, they could be referencing season 2, season 5, season 6. And... I don't want to be just an average viewer. So basically you're saying the only thing that you like about the show was that you were able to watch it without it being spoiled. Because you ain't defended the show. You just told us how you got oh, to watch it. But you ain't given us no. Exactly. You ain't told us why it was there. good. Oh, okay. I'm waiting. Because child, I ain't heard nothing that made me go, let me go watch this. Okay. So I will say the the casting was done correctly. Like, okay. nobody else could have played these characters as well with the chemistry that they all have um and my favorite thing about the show was the writing like, i do know a couple of these white people we got jennifer the aniston lisa kudrow 
Courtney Cox. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah, no, the Joey and and Chandler, mm-hmm. they they really stayed within the show. Though they did have a spinoff for Joey called Joey. And I think Joey is in a show called Episodes that's about his life. But that, yeah, I don't know. It's... Joey did two seasons from 2004 to 2006 when he moves to L.A. to pursue his acting career. You know, because that, that was a big thing. Joey and his acting career. Did he ever do acting? Because I felt like everything I read about the show said that they spent most of their time either in the apartment or in the cafe not working yeah no so i think like as a typical beginning seasons of the show like that's mm-hmm. what it was at first but uh joey he was an actor he was trying mm-hmm. to make it big i think he had gotten cast on like some soap operas oh, okay. and that was like his big break during the show okay um ross was a paleontologist dinosaurs thank you Mm-hmm. I promise y'all I'm um, smart, but you know what I'm saying? Listen, I don't know what the, about the ologies and the... the Rachel? I I think Rachel was just rich. <laughs> and then there was a point where she was struggling for money. That's like such a typical storyline. Like That's like Whitley Gilbert. That's London Tipton. I feel like that's such a thing. Like, spoiled rich yeah. girl, and then season three, she loses her money for whatever reason and has to get a job. <laughs> No, yeah, exactly. And I feel like we literally could like go across a number of shows and it'll be season three each time. I really think I'm right. <laughs> um, but the writing is truly what made the show. And it's not just the writing of like the stories because again, it's a sitcom. Right. It, it wasn't getting too complex at any point. But the jokes were top tier. I'm not going to lie. I... Like, I'm not saying they were the best ever written. But, but like, were. you laugh when you watch the show. Yes, absolutely. There's one scene where two guys get locked in a room. Uh-huh. And Joey, the idiot uh-huh. of the group, says, oh, no, it's just us two. We need to repopulate the earth. We need a condom. And the stupidity of that line is just genius. Because... Caleb, I have a question. Yeah. At any point in your life, did you find yourself saying the phrase, too black for the white kids and too white for the black? Oh, was I a little Donald Glover? Absolutely. I don't know, actually. I feel like. Because I just feel like the fact that you thought that joke was funny makes me believe you said that phrase in your life. I butchered it, but like. The show did what it had to do. I'm going to tell you now, I've tried to watch Friends a few times. And by tried, I mean I was watching something else. It went off and then Friends got started and I didn't know what else to do. So I sat there for 10 minutes. I have maybe seen across the multitude of times I've watched this show, I've seen probably one total episode in terms of minutes of watching. And I've never laughed. In fact, I've usually been so irritated that I've had to change the channel. So I'm like, this is bad. Like, it's not funny to me. Well, I will say, and this next thing I'm going to say could branch into the original, but Friends definitely took 
time for me to invest in. Okay. It took time for the jokes to be funny. Mm. When looking at its counterpart, its parent. Its parent. The original. The blueprint. Was hilarious from the opening line. Yeah, no, Living Single is one of the best shows of the 90s, definitely. I mean, Living Single also, let's just, it's also about a group of friends living in New York that all live together. Um, It follows the lives of several single male and female roommates and friends in 1990s Brooklyn, New York, whereas Friends is in Manhattan, New York. It was created by Yvette Lee Bowser and it premiered in 1993 on the Fox Network, which was a year before Friends, which is wild because the friend, the president of uh, NBC, when asked if he could have one show that was out right now, said it would be Living Single and their created Friends, the white reboot of Living Single. So there is no question. That's so embarrassing. Like, that's really embarrassing for you. Like, you just created a white... Like, you did segregation. You did segregation on purpose. On purpose. And then didn't even do it correctly. Like, Queen... So, you know, the cast of Living Single, for people who don't know, you have Queen Latifah playing Khadijah James, a magazine owner. I just want to talk about the jobs that were also had on this show because these other people, right. I don't know what they was doing over there. You got Kyle Barker, a banker. You have Regine Hunter, a wedding planner. Erica Alexander played Maxine Felice, a lawyer. You got Overton Waite, played by John Henson. He's a handyman. Then you got Sinclair James, played by Kim Coles, who also worked at the magazine. All these people were employed. Well... And still had roommates, which tells you how expensive New York is. But they were employed well, doing productive things in society. And then you had the friends sitting there on the couch. Sitting on the couch, be at their house or a coffee shop. Like, just sitting. What else was y'all doing? And then, like, my whole thing with friends is you took the concept, made it all white, but then didn't even do it well. Like, Khadija stayed with a fine man on her arm in the show. If you was a fine black man in the 90s and you wasn't one living single, you wasn't fine. Like, those were the rules. Everybody was on that show. Friends, who had to find men on Friends? That's actually, you know, that, that's a great point. Like, every once in a while, somebody would come in. The finest they got was Brad Pitt. and mm. I guess, Chad. Brad Pitt. I mean, he fine, I guess, but like a white man. I mean, younger. He, but also, like everything we know about him now, I just I can't unsee it. Oh yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I just can't unsee it. I'm so sorry for that man. But you know, Living Single is my jam. I first watched Living Single as a junior in college. Um, the rest of the circumstances of how I began to watch it, I will not disclose. <laughs> but uh, I started watching it. I started watching it to become friends with somebody. We'll, we'll make that loose like that. Um, and so I started watching the show and it became like a stress like reliever. But I watched the entire five seasons in like four weeks, I think. Because y'all know I love to watch TV and watch it quickly. So I watched the entire season. I used to laugh my ass off because I just thought it was so funny. Like I didn't necessarily, what I liked about it particularly was 
it was a group of black friends, but there wasn't necessarily a lot of emphasis put on this being a black show. They just were black people having experiences. And so, yes, there were episodes that dealt with, you know, Kwanzaa episodes where there were like uniquely black references, but it wasn't different from like a blackish that tells us every four seconds this is a black show. <laughs> but like we were saying earlier, all of them had jobs and they had like middle class jobs for the most part. Whereas, you know, you had the Banks family of Will Smith who were like upper class, well, like upper middle class. And then you had, you know, shows like Sanford and Son and things like that where people were working class. But the idea that you saw middle class, young black people in their 20s and 30s working, having relationships, having friendships in like a positive light, obviously is something that just really hadn't been seen yet. And of course, lays the groundwork for you to have a show like Friends, the difference being the the gender balance of Friends. Friends was half guys, half girls, whereas Living Single was mostly a female friend group with two guys stuck on the end. Yeah, because you get Kyle and Max and then you get Overton and Sinclair. So really, it was really about four women friends. Right. And some dudes that hung around. <laughs> and some of their mans. And some of their mans. But it's just like, I don't know. I can't, for me personally, I will never invest amounts of time into friends because I just I feel like I've seen the show already and people who have watched both say that you can point to specific episodes in friends that are direct ripoffs of living single and I've already seen living single if I want to watch living single I'm gonna watch living single again duh no, I, I will say the the yeah the funnier show without a doubt is living single mm-hmm the only, one of the only things that Friends has over Living Single is the quantity. Right. Since it went on for 10 seasons. I mean, that's part of that was because, you know, Fox at the time that Living Single was coming up was a developing network. They didn't have the same marketing push. And I, it's interesting. We could talk about this on a different episode, but like a lot of networks back then would have a whole lot of real black shows. And then when they tried to cross over into the mainstream, would get rid of all those black shows. Cause I'm pretty sure living single was canceled. Like, I don't think it was that, you know, it ended as much as it was canceled. Whereas I think friends got to end itself after 10 seasons, which of course you're going to get a larger audience. You're going to have, you know, more advertising dollars. Like you said, it was nominated for Emmys. Whereas I don't believe that living single ever was like, the push in the machine around friends was so much larger that I understand why it is more a part of the larger American culture. I just wish that the same respect and the same audience was given to living single when quite literally you don't get friends without living single. Speaking of the same respect, mm. um, there was a little spat between David Schwimmer and the cast of Living Single. Because... He was ugly for that. Because why would he do that? <laughs> Go ahead and tell the people what he did. But that was just ugly. Go ahead. Mm. Uh, David Schwimmer was talking about the success of Friends and the legacy of it specifically. And in talking about the legacy of Friends, he said, Oh, yeah, no. I would I would love to see a reboot of Friends. And, you know, we, we could do it with a diverse cast. No, he said an all-black cast or an all-Asian cast. Yeah. My girl Erica Alexander hit him with a nice and said, hey, friend, so sorry to tell you, but you're actually a reboot of my show. <laughs> the black version was living single and you came a year after. But like his whole cleanup was like ridiculous. He was like, oh, I'm sorry. My, my words were taken out of context. Obviously, I was a fan of living single. And if 
it was a, a reference, a, a direct reference from for friends, then obviously I owe my career and I, we owe a lot to living single. Boy, you know, living single made your life possible. Don't even yeah. play with my girl. He really leaned into the, well, we don't know for sure. We don't know. But. And like yeah. living, I mean, I get it. It's like living single. It's the bigger show. It had more seasons. I went to the Warner Brothers studio a lot last year when I went to LA and like, there is a whole section of the Warner Brothers tour dedicated to friends. Like there is a Central Perk Cafe that you can actually go order from. They have like the little set and all the things. Like, of course, I didn't take no picture on that couch because I don't care about the couch. But like you could do all of that. So like, I get it. It's a big part of the cultural zeitgeist. And it did change right. a lot in terms of how ter- uh, television shows were written. It uh, changed, you know, a lot about how ensemble casts were able to negotiate contracts. Like it did do some some good work in terms of the business of television, I just think that it did a lot of erasure in terms of representation on television. I know one thing that it did do for representation mm. was um, oh yeah, they did normalize uh, gay characters on the show. I was like, because I was gonna say they had that. I know they had the the lesbian wedding. I know they weren't the first show to feature like a gay wedding but they did have a gay wedding but also like in terms of i think and you'd have to correct me because you've seen more of the show like sex seemed to have been a larger part of that show and i think like they talked a lot about how it normalized like casual sex and talking about protection and things like that because in living single was like the girls went on dates and every now and again you knew a character had sex but like that wasn't every time we saw a date we didn't see sex so it wasn't necessarily right. like a big part of the story the same way. And sex was always like alluded to. In that right. PG. Something happened. Right. And of course, I mean, it was 1993 to 98 versus, you know, 94 to 2004. By the time you get to the 2000s, what you can say and do on TV is very different. Right. That's when you have the classic, uh, the, the bed blanket up to, up to the breast. The blankets kill me because the blanket be up to the chin. <laughs> right. And they just be laying there looking at each other. Hi. Hi. Like, what is this? What is this? Yeah. I don't know. You know, it did a lot in the business, but it also, and I guess that's true, where it did impact representation in a positive way, it did. But also at the same time, and when we were reading the articles to prep for this, like, they talked a lot about, like, yes, there was a gay wedding, but there was also a lot of homophobia and a lot of homophobic jokes. So it's like an interesting thing of, like, Gay characters were present, but they weren't really treated with dignity and respect. So, like, right? I don't you know. know, cause um, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, it was Ross. It was his ex-wife that was um gay. Oh. And, so and wasn't somebody's like a... somebody's dad was a drag queen? I remember oh, reading that in the articles. Somebody's dad yeah. was a drag queen and po- and they said they said the way it was written in the article was that the dad was a drag queen and possibly transgender but was played by a cisgendered woman in the show. Right. And I'm like that's a little wild. I mean, we didn't quote unquote we didn't know as much back then, but like that is a little wild. Just a bit. Just a dad. Yeah. No, that show definitely took liberties in every direction possible. I mean, they went on for 10 seasons and the show was about nothing, essentially. So About nothing. I mean, listen, I, and here's the thing. I don't hate 
because somebody's gonna be like galen hates white television and that is simply not true okay because one thing about it two things for certain i'm a full house stan okay everywhere you look everywhere you are there's a heart okay don't play with me when it comes to michelle and danny tanner and jesse and them my peoples i love full house why do i love full house because it was funny you know why else I love Full House? Because it made you cry sometimes. It taught you lessons. Okay. It was about sisterhood. I don't have any siblings. So I enjoyed seeing the little sisterhood. And it was cute. And it was fun. So I don't hate white television for the record. I just don't like corny white television that don't make me laugh. But um, yeah, y'all, your favorite, your favorite podcasters, we doing some stuff. You know what I'm saying? We, we working hard on the low. Um... Hopefully this time next week, I'm going to speak it into existence, but hopefully this time next week when we're recording episode four of season two, we're going to have good news for y'all about the American Black Film Festival. I'm just feeling like we're going to have some good news. So, we're going to think about that. Hopefully this time next week, we also can tell y'all that the strike is over and that the studios is going to pay people some money. Fingers crossed. But you know... This has been another episode of your favorite podcast, No Sleep Till Hollywood. It's your girl, Gayla Smith. And once again, you can follow me at G Smitty with two T's and four Y's on anything with the at symbol because I fixed my name. TikTok is hating on me right now with it, so I might have to change it back. But for right now, it's at G Smitty, two T's, four Y's on anything with the at symbol. And my name is Caleb McDonald. You can follow me at Caleb Subtitles to read the subtitles of my thoughts mm. on any platform. Mm, mm, mm. And of course, of course, mm. please follow the podcast on Instagram at NoSleepXProd for mm-hmm. all the updates and fun little things that we do on there. Of course. And uh, until next time, good night. Good evening, good morning, bonsoir, bonjour, adios, and bye.